Hey, Coiners, I just got off with Maurizio, the co-founder of Ledin, and we had a great conversation about him and Ledin and what they're building there and the potential for bringing Bitcoin as a amazing asset that you can collateralize to get loans against across the globe. Ledin is not just you know, disrupting what's happening in the traditional loan-based economy, but they're trying to have a global reach, which makes them even more impressive. Maurizio is from Venezuela, and they, over at Ledin, take experiences that Maurizio's had living and dealing with having to send value around Venezuela and what the Venezuelan people and people in Latin America need to just listening to their, their users altogether. Ledin is a company that it's clear they listen to what their users say. They build products against that if it makes a business sense. And the results are awesome. Again, we talk about a lot of their products and Mauricio tells us about which ones work the best and the ones that work the best and do the best and are the most popular are the ones where they studied their users and then created a great product and a great, amazing uh, solution for their users. So you guys, I think you're going to really love this podcast. I think Maurizio has a great story and I think you guys will be really impressed with what Ledin IO is building. So go check them out. Go enjoy this podcast. Peace. Bitcoiners, I am sitting across from Maurizio, the co-founder and uh, just builder over at Ledin.io. Maurizio, I think we met in 2018. You came on to POV Crypto Podcast uh, to chat about crypto in South America and Ledin. Uh, and, you know, we've met in person a couple of times. And he, here you are coming on to the Bitcoin Magazine podcast for the first time. And, man, you've built quite the company. How's it going? Oh man, you know, first off, thank you, CK. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here again. Um, the other thing I'll throw in there is that it is a massive group effort from a lot of incredibly hardworking individuals um, that, you know, I, I, you know, I've had the, the, the luck and the privilege of, of, you know, many times being the spokesperson for Lenin, but uh, we would not be here if it wasn't for the amazing work of now 45 plus people, uh, which is uh, kind of crazy to say. We were we were much smaller not too long ago, and and the the, the speed at which the team has grown, and not just the speed at which the team has grown, but the heart, man. Like uh, like the the heart that everyone's brought is like you know we're all sort of like wearing our jerseys. Like there are you know letting us like it feels like a family, uh, you know. And, and as as we get bigger, you know, it'll be kind of harder to to keep that sort of uh, small family kind of mentality, but I think that's really ingrained into our culture. So, uh, yeah, really happy to be back. Awesome. Well, uh, I mean, 45 people, that's still definitely uh, a small tight group, uh, even though I'm sure there's been a lot of growing pains. Again, I think, you know, you guys were less than 10, uh, when you and I first got to know each other. Uh, I know you, you know, I've known you for a long time. I know you pretty well, but you know, for the listeners who are just hearing about you for the first time and just hearing about Ledin for the first time, I guess, why don't you just give them a quick little intro? Sure. Yeah. So I'll start with my personal kind of story slash journey into Bitcoin. So I, I start usually the story by saying that I was born and raised in Venezuela and that kind of, you know, really kind of elevates the fact that, you know, growing up in Venezuela, you grew up around inflation. And I think with, in my case, um, I, I kind of over time developed this like, fascination for trying to understand how money works because money in Venezuela was just so broken. There were so many things that, that didn't make sense. And um, so I grew up there. I, I grew up kind of very aware of the, the, the pains that inflation can, can deliver to people that you know, don't have assets or don't know better how to protect themselves. And I, um, when Venezuela started going off a cliff, uh, 99, when, when sort of Chavez gets elected, I, um, a lot of families would send their kind of most willing kid to go get educated abroad, you know, for, for kind of worst case scenario situations. That, that was me and my family. I came to Canada to do my undergrad uh, and then you know, later came back for my MBA. But uh, at business school and during my undergrad was when I had the chance to meet Adam, who's co-founder of Lenin, and we're obviously like one of my best friends. And uh, a lot of the team actually today comes from or were, you know, university friends or colleagues. And it's perhaps something that a lot of people at Lenin don't know is that a lot of us go way, way back. So like we, we, we were really good friends before we started Lenin. And so it's, uh, it's a bit of a treat to go into the office and there's 
it makes it really uh, enjoyable to work because we can we kind of know each other so well that we can just go straight to the point and and you know we we have huge huge respect for each other so so that's been great and you know the the journey to Bitcoin starts with my youngest brother who started mining Bitcoin in around 2014 in Venezuela and um, when I went down for a visit I, I I used to go down way more often haven't been in about three or so years. But when I went down to, to check in on them, uh, and there's, a, you know, the, the background story is a bit longer, but essentially he starts mining at a time when the entire country was looking to leave Venezuela. So like all my other friends were just discussing how they were going to leave the country. And I would fly back and in the middle of everybody discussing how they were going to leave was just like my brother, who was just the only person walking with a grin in his face, like, you know, pep in his step. And, you know, he was just super happy. He's like, come check out my mining machines. Um, he had doubled his equipment in about six months time. And so him and all of his friends were just like incredibly excited about mining Bitcoin. And it was just growing like wildfire. Like people were just ordering ASICs and setting up GPU rigs and essentially just taking advantage of the big electricity subsidy. And there were two things that led to that. There, were, there was a huge electricity subsidy in Venezuela and horrible capital controls uh, back at the time. So it was very difficult for people to shelter from inflation using dollars. So they were basically, in this time, they were basically going to tires, uh, you know, non-perishables, cans of tuna, beans. And it was basically like bartering. Like you would, you would end up having, you know, because there was no ability to use a dollar, nobody wanted bolivares, so you just went straight to bartering. So it's like, you know, you would pay for chicken with rice and you, you know. It, so anyway, my brother finds mining during this time, starts doing really well. When I went to kind of probe him and how he was doing so well, he's like, no, listen, it's fully legit, mining this thing called Bitcoin. You can send it to this exchange, you can sell it. So he sends it to the exchange in front of me. I'm like, show it to me. So he sends the money to the exchange. Dollars hit his bank account. All the light bulbs go off for me. And so from that moment on, I, I basically saw how Venezuelan was not only protecting themselves from inflation, but they were actually for the first time in a really long time seeing an asset appreciate in dollar terms, which I know sounds very trivial to people in North America and Europe, but in Latin America, for the most part, the dollar is like the top of the mountain as far as your asset uh, mix that you can shelter from inflation. Uh, and so people were seeing a, an asset appreciated in dollars. They wanted to continue mining. Uh, in my case, I started helping, wanted to grow my brother's mine, my own mine. But to do that, I had to sell my Bitcoin. And selling my Bitcoin was a terrible decision because ASICs took six to seven months to get delivered. And Bitcoin was going parabolic. So this concept of, I didn't want to sell my Bitcoin. I wanted a loan backed by my Bitcoin. And nobody would give me that loan. There were a few companies at the time that were offering loans, uh, but they had tokens in their models. They had all raised this big ICO rounds and, and you needed to like use the tokens to get the loan and buy the tokens to pay the interest. It was just like a very, really not a great experience in, in our view. And um, Adam had spent a lot of time financing solar energy. So he kind of knew who the guys with the 0%, 1% money were that ultimately would be the guys that make a Bitcoin back loan, a winning product because it would have the lowest rate. So we decided to make a company that was fully above board, no ICO, no token, uh, reg like you know, pro-regulation, fully regulated in Canada. So that with the view that a Bitcoin back loan will become a mortgage for people around the world where Bitcoin has bigger property assurances or better property assurances than their local asset classes. Sorry, I, that was a rant. Oh, no, I, it was great. And I'm glad I asked because again, I feel like you deserve a lot of credibility and you have a lot of inset, like insight into how to build this product for beyond a Western country and for just kind of like Bitcoin centric because of your experience in Venezuela and you know, having your family there and needing to go back and forth. And, you know, we've had, you, you've told me many stories in the past as well. Um, but, you know, talking about the Leaden platform, um, obviously recently raised uh, quite a bit of money. Uh, so congratulations about that. But, you know, what's different about Leaden and pretty much all the other guys is one, higher rates. And then two, it's pretty much Bitcoin only. You offer USDC, but even that offering 
was like counterproductive to the Bitcoin maximalist narrative, but backed by your understanding of, you know, Latin America and how they were actually using stable coins uh, pretty widely there. Uh, so I guess, can you just talk about like, maybe just like you growing up in Venezuela, you kind of being a Venezuelan expat uh, or, you know, uh, someone who's left Venezuela and has family still there. And then, you know, how that, in, you know, kind of guided your team in building this product. For sure. So there were a lot of, there were a few things that we noticed from the outset uh, that were, that we thought could be done better. The one, the one main thing is a lot of people. So first let's start with the basics. Bitcoin means different things for different people around the world. For investor markets in the United States, Bitcoin is one more hedge against inflation, one more great asset on your portfolio. But realistically, you know, you have access to credit, you can get a mortgage, you can shelter yourself from inflation by, you know, buying property or buying some stock. Um, sure, like Bitcoin goes one step further and gives you some sovereignty and the ability to, you know, uh, do a lot more things. But at a base case, you're not deprived of tools to protect yourself, right? Um, in places like, and so the, the drive towards Bitcoin in investor markets typically comes from intellectual curiosity. So it comes from people reading books, get, you know, reading thoughts that challenge their Federal Reserve's view or what they learned in university. So they'll basically read Saifedean's book and they'll go read Andreas's book and they'll go read other books to essentially formulate their own opinions. And then they will go into Bitcoin and Bitcoin will be an enhancement to their portfolio and something that is, you know, they're not necessarily like basically in like the, the, their hierarchy of needs, a lot of those needs are met, particularly the financial needs. So Bitcoin just adds as a sort of, you know, boost or even improvement on an already great portfolio, right? When you go to Latin America, um, a lot of people are were entering Bitcoin or are still entering Bitcoin out of necessity. And the same is true for places like Africa or Nigeria right now. You're getting paid in a currency that is evaporating. And most often than not, the government makes it very difficult for you to get rid of that currency to purchase a currency that actually holds their worth is worth their salt, like the dollar. The government puts restrictions on you doing this because everybody just wants to get rid of their local currency. The only way that they can put a lid on inflation is by prohibiting it. And so they prohibit it at the expense of local people. And so what this creates is a person with two jobs. Your first job is to earn your bolivares or your nairas or whatever you want to call them, wherever they are locally. But then the second job is the second you get paid, you have to go get rid of those, you know, of that asset, of that liability. I wouldn't even call it an asset. And so that is another job in itself because it's not always easy to go convert those into dollars. And it may be challenging for you to convert those into Bitcoin. So one thing we wanted to address from the get-go was to make this experience way more simple, way more intuitive, and in your own language so that you understand the rules. The last thing you want to do when you're stressed and you are you know, financially vulnerable because you have a huge, you know, you're holding an asset that is evaporating, you don't want to feel like you're being rushed into a decision. You want to feel like you understand the rules, like you are the, 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 you know, the, the, the controller of your own fate and that you are going to be able to log into a platform that will make it very simple for you to either buy Bitcoin or send that Bitcoin. If you are basically accessing a savings account or if you want to access a loan agreement, these agreements should be in your language in plain language that you can understand. There should be very little jargon. There should be, you know, obviously legal terms, you can make them as clear as you want, but I think the, the sole fact that the rule set is translated goes a very long way. Clients have questions. They've never interacted with Bitcoin. A lot of these people don't, they wanna know how the products work. What happens if this happens? What happens if that happens? So what we did from the outset was we translated our service offering into Spanish. We made the platform incredibly simple to use so that people that were in stressful situations could feel more comfortable. And we gave everybody access to customer support in their native language uh, because we felt it was important for them to be able to ask questions and, and don't feel like a foreigner when they're using these services. Um, and the other piece that we did is that, you know, a lot of people, when these loans came out, most companies started issuing loans at, you know, minimum $10,000. Uh, 
that means you need to put $20,000 worth of Bitcoin collateral. In most countries in Latin America, you can buy a house with $20,000. So it's not a product that can appeal to the masses. Um, so what we did is we worked really, really hard from the early days to be able to offer the loans at the lowest amount possible so that the friction was the lowest possible. And so we, we, for that, we had to build all of our tech. So we essentially own our tech stack end to end, but that enables us to underwrite loans as low as 500 bucks. And so the, 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 this, the behavior that we are seeing today is that people come they want to try a new product for the first time. They don't want to go all in on the product. So they try it with 500 bucks. They get, get a feel for the experience. They see how long it takes for the money to arrive. Um, they see how much it takes for the Bitcoin to get back to them after they repay the loan. And then they come back for a bigger loan. So that was really all by design. And, and we, we want to keep doing more and more of that localization, you know, which we think we've become relatively good at. Uh, because we don't think localization is limited to LATAM. We think you know, countries in Europe are going to need localization or Africa is going to need localization. Uh, so that's something we're excited about. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned Spanish offering. You also have Portuguese on your website. Um, any, any other languages that are kind of next on your list? So there, you know, we are, we, we try to essentially cater to, you know, what our clients need. Um, you know, we have, you know, we get requests from, from people in different parts of the world to add different languages. I think, you know, among the, the languages you'll see coming up from us in the, in the near future, uh, you know, it, it's not immediate, but we're working on it. Um, I think we'll be adding French, obviously, uh, just because Canada has a, a French component uh, to it. And, um, you know, those, those are the main languages that we're working on right now. And we're thinking really hard about, you know, our Africa and our Asia strategy to see, you know, what, what are the most, um, you know, what, what type of, what language will have the most impact with our clients. So we, we, we always try to figure out, you know, what is it that we can do that'll move the needle and make the experience better for the majority or more, more clients or the most clients. Uh, and so that, that's really what's being discussed right now. For, uh, for the Bitcoiners out there that read Alex Gladstein's uh, post on Bitcoin Magazine, I believe it was a month ago, about the, uh, the CFA franc system in the Western part of Africa, um, the entire you know, Western part of Africa is effectively French speaking. And uh, the French language is actually spoken by more people in Africa than anywhere else in the world. So uh, just knocking down French, you know, I feel like you got Canada, your home country, you obviously have France, and then I guess that does open up the door from, you know, website and support to uh, a lot of French speaking Bitcoiners uh, in, in Africa as well. So that's pretty amazing. Yeah, no, uh, you know, that's, it's really exciting. And it, it makes you, what, what the beautiful thing about Latin is, is it, our team is so diverse. Our clients are so diverse. Um, we really get to interact with people from all over the globe on like a daily basis and, and, really kind of understanding the nuances. You know, there, there are so many people in Latin America that reach out to us saying, you know, thank you for putting this content in Spanish. Thank you for creating, you know, the because it's not just the, the agreements and everything. So all the educational content that we create, uh, it, it all goes out in the three languages. Everyone gets it in the language that they choose. Uh, and so it, it is an extra lift for us, but it, it's, it's really comforting when our clients come back to us and they're like, guys, you know, really appreciate you guys doing this in Spanish. Like not, no one else is doing this. And, and, you know, you, you know, we probably, they, they, some have said, you know, you guys, we know you don't really have to do this. Uh, so we really appreciate that you actually go the extra mile and do this. Uh, and so to us, it's really about trying to be fair as fair as we can to everyone and, and trying to, trying to feel everyone just feel just as welcome. Right. All right, Bitcoiners, I want to tell you about our newest sponsor. This show is brought to you by Ledin.io. I have been super, super impressed with the guys over at Ledin. I've actually known the co-founders, Adam and Mauricio, for a very long time. I've had the pleasure to watch them build Ledin up from a tiny, tiny startup to now a super impressive institutional grade Bitcoin and crypto lender. Y'all, I'm so impressed with these guys. They are offering some of the best rates out there. I don't think anyone even comes close to touching them. You can get 6.1% APY on your first two Bitcoin that you deposit into Ledin interest accounts, and you can get 8.5% US, on USDC deposits. I mean, 
I know all the competitors. They're not even close. If you're going to put your crypto and your Bitcoin into an interest account, Ledin is by far the best. And on top of that, like I said, these guys are hardcore Bitcoiners and they know the products and the services that Bitcoiners want and appreciate. They came up with B2X. It allows you to put your Bitcoin in, they leverage it up, and you can, with one click of the mouse, get twice the exposure to Bitcoin. So if you're super bullish, Ledin has you covered with a super, super easy way to get leverage with B2X. And then on top of that, they know that Bitcoiners care about your reserves. They know that Bitcoiners don't like under-reserved and not full-reserved financial institutions. So they are pushing the frontier in transparency in the digital asset lending space. And they are the first digital asset lender to do a full proof of reserves and proof of attestation through a Mariano LLC, a public accounting firm. So the letting guys, they know what Bitcoiners like. They are legit. I encourage you guys to check them out. Do your own research and go to ledin.io. That is L-E-D-N.io and learn more. Bitcoiners, I want to tell you guys about The Deep Dive. The Deep Dive is a new premium newsletter from the Bitcoin Magazine team in conjunction with my man, BTCization, Dylan LeClaire. Dylan is such a multifaceted and wide-ranging analyst. He does everything from on-chain analytics to macro uh, analysis to uh, you know hash rate and all that kind of good stuff. He does it all. He breaks down everything that's happening every single day with his daily dive. He's going to dive into what is happening in the market that day. So that way you don't have to pay attention to Twitter. You don't have to pay attention to anything else. You can just pay attention to the deep dive and he has you covered. And at the end of the week, guess what? You get a weekly recap. And at the end of the month, hey, we have a freaking report, a beautiful PDF breaking down all the activity of that entire month, what it means for Bitcoin, what you can expect moving forward. The Bitcoin market is going to moon. We are here to make sure that we maximize your stack. Go to members.bitcoinmagazine.com to sign up today. And if you use promo code BITS, you can get one month for free. So again, the deep dive, I've been checking it out every day and you should too. Back to the show. So I want to talk about, you know, the product set in particular and what differentiates it beyond the languages from like some of your competitors. Um, but, you know, before getting into that, like, was the goal for Ledin always to have a very international audience and to leverage Bitcoin and crypto in order to kind of like flatten out the world and, and reach uh, a much larger TAM than just Canada? Like, was that always part of the, uh, the long-term vision? Yeah. So when we created this, we were, there was one thing in particular that, that, we, that was really exciting for us, which is this idea that Bitcoin, until Bitcoin, there was no real collateral that a person in, say, a country like Colombia could send to a lender in Canada or the United States to get access to low-cost dollars. You know, if you had a home in Colombia, best access to capital you had was your local bank. Same with a car, pretty much any asset. Uh, you would only be able to, so it, it basically kept lending capital siloed into each particular market, right? So it would make it, it made it very difficult for the globalization of capital markets because, you know, we created these artificial borders by restricting, you know, what, at the end of the day, the lender just needs to know that they have the right protection to lend that money. And, you know, governments, because they want to protect their local banking systems or because they want to protect, you know, local players or sometimes, frankly, their friends, uh, they make it very difficult to compete in that market on purpose by creating these artificial barriers, right? Or, or by making it very difficult from a process standpoint. Uh, you know, if, if, a, if a lender in Canada lent money to a person in Colombia and that person defaulted, it's very expensive for that lender in Canada to come over and then sort of try to exercise that collateral. And so it makes it really, really difficult. With Bitcoin, a person in Colombia can send Latin the Bitcoin literally in 10 minutes. And after that person has passed KYC and AML, which they can be done in five minutes on the website, they can then be approved for a loan and we can disperse that loan in under 24 hours. And so really, um, and, and what we are doing through Bitcoin is we're saying, okay, well, we're in a jurisdiction where we can get really effective cost of capital, right? And as institutions in investor markets 
understand the risk profile of these products better, my our thesis is that the rate of these loans is just going to keep coming down and down and down and down. So to give you some context, when we launched the Bitcoin back loans, if we underwrote Canada's first Bitcoin back loan in, in 2018. And the loans back then were going out at an average rate of 18% interest. Right now, that rate is down to nine and a half. And that rate is going to keep going down because investors understand that lending against Bitcoin is many times better than lending against even a stock or property because you can sell it 24-7. It has the deepest liquidity has been tried and tested. Companies like Lennon have been operating for now three years with 0% loan losses. And we're providing great return to our investors that fund those loans with dollars. And so as more people wake up to this opportunity, those rates are going to keep getting bid down, bid down, bid down. And there will come a point in our, our view is that for someone in Latin America who has gone through the excruciating process of getting a mortgage down there, which gets, which gets you a mortgage at terrible rates. And by the way, that house that you bought has worse property assurances than Bitcoin. So because that house can get, you can travel and somebody can come squat on your house. And you know, many people in Venezuela have seen this happen. You, get, you can get farms taken away. You can get houses taken away. Um, your bank can crumble overnight. And so the property assurances that Bitcoin gives you are higher than what you can get in any other asset class down there. And not only this, the property assurances, First, that's, that's one massive win. The second massive win is the ability to obtain financing with that asset. Because the other thing is like, once you have a house in, in Colombia, you will only be able to essentially borrow from Colombian banks. But once you have a Bitcoin, you are basically, the, the world is bidding to finance that Bitcoin. You know, there's Canadian companies bidding, there's European companies that want to do that. There's American companies that want to do that. And what that does, is that ultimately competition benefits the consumer. And so over time, people all over the world will be able to access you know, low to single digit interest rates and, and, and use their Bitcoin as collateral the same way Americans have been protecting their wealth through real estate mortgages, a massive 5X short on the dollar. Some people see it as long houses. I see it as short dollar with huge leverage. And of course it works. And every five years you refinance, but this, this activity was very difficult, if not impossible, to recreate for people outside of these markets. So we think Bitcoin is going to really change that. And we want to be a big driver of that change. Wow. I, I, I love that vision. And I mean, I understand, you know, the Bitcoin ethos is really about like being cypherpunk and let in is much more about like being a compliant business so that way you can operate safely and take the assurances of Canada and effectively spread it across the world. Uh, so it makes sense why you do that. But beautiful thing about Bitcoin as property, as this thing that people can hold as value and then use it as collateral is that it does, it flattens the world, right? It's like, it brings all this value online that was not online. Right. And it's, it really is a beautiful thing. Uh, so it, it's amazing to see Ledin kind of have a much more global view to it as well in a much more, let's just say, developing worldview. Um, whereas like, again, most of the people playing in this market, you know, they're, they're just sticking to kind of like servicing the West and the institutions and stuff along those lines. Not to say that you're not tapping into that as well, but I feel like you're, you're crossing a lot, you're bridging a lot more, uh, you know, capital into, into this space. And, uh, and across more jurisdictions. And that's ultimately going to like kind of set Ledin up to be a little bit more anti-fragile as well in terms of your customer base, because, you know, they behave differently. They're experiencing different things. Uh, it, it is really kind of impressive to see it kind of come together. So I want to transition and talk about uh, a lot of your products. One thing that differentiates you again from the other guys, like I mentioned, is like Bitcoin only and focused on Bitcoin for the most part. Um, can you kind of talk about like, so you can't offer, you know, crap coins and these other like potentially securities like why make that decision in the first place and then how do you go about like adding additional value to bitcoin um whereas you know again some of the competitors they just add more cryptos yeah so i mean the the view with Ledin has been from day one that we wanted to create a, a place or a platform where people came and they felt you know safe uh what we 
we, we didn't want people to think that you know, we didn't want to recreate another casino, basically. Like there, there's enough places where people can go and buy crazy tokens and try to get, you know, try to moon. Uh, we believe in, in slow and steady good decisions build you wealth. You know, the, 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 the other type of activities, the speculative thing activity can be, it's a lottery, right? Like we, we don't know how it's going to end up and, and you know, People smarter than I can, can probably deal with trying to time the market and, and buy low and sell high. Uh, we know that we, you know, we firmly believe that people that have, you know, invested in Bitcoin and held it for a you know multi-year period of time have done really well. And we also believe that people in Latin America can very much benefit from a stable coin type of savings account that allows them to not have all in on Bitcoin. Because, you know, when you're all in is many times you're all in can be a couple grand and on a bad week, that couple grand can go to one grand. So it, it can take somebody years to save $2,000 just to see it come down, you know, because of a dip or because of China decided to ban something. And so a, a lot of people asked us to be able to diversify some of that inflation protection uh, and, and splitting up that Bitcoin and the USDC and it's sort of moving in between. So when when our clients started asking us for stable coins, we you know we scoured the industry of what was available. We saw which stable coins we thought you know uh, were aligned with our view of our ethos of transparency and and just you know not just the, the utility of that token itself, but we also wanted to make sure that whatever we picked had a good long term future or at least the best long-term future out of the available options. So that's what we decided to go with USDC. Uh, we like the fact that they were audited, that their, you know, their funds were all held in the bank account. Uh, it just gave, you know, when somebody asked us, how does this work? Where is the money? It was always great to point them to a Grant Thornton audit or saying, you know, the funds are held in a JP Morgan account, et cetera. And like, these are the financial institutions that are the steering committee of this organization. So it just, it, 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 it told a good story. And it was a it was a strong offering in our view, so we decided to add stablecoins. And we we actually went. A lot of our clients are very hardcore Bitcoin guys, and and we love them, mind you, because they think that spirit is is something that we really need in our society today. But at the end of the day, we need to be pragmatic, and we need to be able to help our clients when they're telling us that we can. So our clients, loud and clear, told us we would love a stablecoin savings account. And we were, it was, we, we basically did the modeling. It was accretive to the business. Uh, our institutional counterparties were okay. They were working with it. They could accept it. Um, when we needed dollars, we converted the dollars if, if need be to essentially, you know, fund loans or whatever the case may be. But it just, it just made sense for us. Um, so Bitcoin, we, you know, I've been in this space for quite some time. I'm beyond convinced of its long-term future, uh, future or potential and how it can help clients. Um, you know, it's one thing to say, you know, I believe in Bitcoin and I, I am, I'm going to do everything I can so that it's successful in the next five years. I don't know that I have the same conviction with a lot of other projects, right? Because they haven't been around for as long, because they're not as decentralized, because they don't have the hashing power, or the history that Bitcoin has. And so our thinking process when we add a new asset is that we want to make sure that this asset has a great potential to further our clients' interests and, and really, you know, do good for them. So um, that's not to say that you know we're only ever going to have Bitcoin and USDC. We'll probably add other assets as they as they get as they prove themselves and as our clients demand it, uh, and as we feel like that risk can be properly mitigated. Um, but uh, but you won't see us rushing to add you know a, a Dogecoin savings account for example uh, you know I, I I don't think anyone that's used any product like that has done well I, I can't really recall you know uh, but but yeah so we we just we think really long and hard about not only how this product impacts Lenin's numbers we we want to make sure that our clients walk out with a great experience at the end of the day. If we let somebody bring in a crazy volatile token and these person or you know these clients buy that token and they come to let in and then that thing crashes or gets hacked or gets whatever and that client loses a lot of money they have a bad experience at letting right so we we want to prevent that as much as we can
Yeah. I mean, I think that that makes a lot of sense. And again, I personally think Bitcoin is pragmatic, right? Like uh, you don't have the concerns about security, about like someone dropping off the project. You know, like, like Bitcoin is sound money brought back to the world via, you know, this network. And uh, it's something that, you know, has Lindy, it has like this kind of like time that has existed and, and people have invested so much into it. Uh, so you can kind of hang your hat on. And I feel like that's going to just continue to compound. And it, it, it makes a lot of sense, you know, from a business perspective to, you know, work with Bitcoin, work with stable coins, but, you know, maybe avoid some other tokens that could get you into legal trouble as well. We've seen uh, some of the competitors who rush to add, you know, the hottest tokens to their platform kind of, you know, come under scrutiny. And now that's, that becomes a distraction from serving your clients and, and serving, you know, people who they just want to, uh, they just want to live and they just want to have a savings account. Yeah, I, I see them in some ways. And again, I'm not trying to like blanket every single, you know, project with a token as a bad project that, that isn't, that doesn't have a future. That, that's really not what I'm trying to say, but um, you know, you, you, you take on a risk when you try to do things too fast, you know, things are not proven, things are not tested. And, and it's a little bit, in my view, a bit of short-term thinking, right? Because you're, you're, you're basically reacting to this new rush of, of FOMO uh, and you're creating a product almost like on your back foot because you're, you're just kind of doing it to, like, to kind of accept it and, and kind of play into whatever is happening. We like building things with a lot more intent and like thinking through what this, how does this going to impact our client other than, oh, we're just going to get a bunch of new signups this month because this is the new hot thing. Um, right, like we we try to build things that are not going to help our clients today, but they're going to help our clients in three months, six months, a year. Uh, you know that, that, and also, you know, there's something to be said about be getting really, really good at one or two assets before you know, you know, over being okay in a hundred assets, right? And and to your point about our rates and how effective we get to be. A lot of that also comes from focus. It, it comes from focusing on the assets that we want to be the best at and having a team that's like squarely living and breathing financial services over those two assets. And then as you add, as you really get to own that stack and, and you have all the services that a Bitcoiner could want, uh, it becomes easier to add more products once you have the whole stack built. But when you're basically trying to build the stack and you're adding things horizontally to it, it becomes very difficult to grow all at once with the same love and focus and precision, right? No, totally. Uh, this is not, you know, I think VJ Boyapati is one of the first people I saw talking about this, but it there's totally an advantage of just going deep on one asset and, and being really good at it. And I, I think like maybe up until finance, like that was the peak of the strategy of just like, brokerage account, trading account, add as many assets as possible. And now there's kind of like this flip to like, okay, Bitcoin is this really good asset. And there's a lot of financial services that can be built on it. And having, you know, solutions that kind of focus in on that and building great financial services for Bitcoin. And, and, and you know, again, if there's like an, if you look at the world from an 80-20 perspective or like a fat tail, long tail perspective, like, why not be amazing at the fat tail? Like, why, why do you have to be amazing across the entire spectrum when you know that the, the, the long tail is going to have a lot of diminished returns for your effort? All right, let's take a quick break from that episode. I want to tell you guys about our sponsor. It is Bitcoin 2022 conference. I am sure you saw the videos. You may have been there in person. Bitcoin 2021 was an absolute smashing success. It was the biggest conference in Bitcoin history, crypto history, whatever history of the digital asset sphere. Bitcoin is number one and the Bitcoin 2021 conference is number one with a bullet. It was an absolutely incredible time. I was working my ass off the whole time, but I got to meet so many incredible community members. And I think the best testament to how amazing Bitcoin 2021 was, was not just all of the amazing, you know, accolades and, uh, and compliments that I got personally and our team got, but also it's the skin in the game in Bitcoin 2022. We have already sold close to 1500 tickets. That is more than 10% of the people, everyone who went to Bitcoin 2021 have already purchased tickets to Bitcoin 2022. We have not released a date. We have not released a city. We have not released anything. That is the biggest compliment. That is the biggest skin in the game of the community being down for this conference. 
Bitcoin 2022 is going to be bigger than Bitcoin 2021. It is going to be better than Bitcoin 21 in every single way. And we are going to be bringing you the best opportunity to mingle with the biggest, the baddest, the most Bitcoin people on the planet. So join the revolution. Go to b.tc forward slash conference. Get your tickets today. I don't know what the ticket prices are. They are going up. I think they're $249 right now. We just rolled out fiat ticket uh, purchases. All the tickets purchased before today were all purchased in BTC. So get it, guys. Get it. Get this ticket. Be at Bitcoin 2022. See you there. Yeah, and, and a lot of it is also, you know, this... Um, you know, Bitcoin, when you're building on Bitcoin, you, you're almost like on this on this ship that's moving, you know, at say 50 miles an hour. And, you know, you're building this and you're, and you're, and you're driving down, but then all of a sudden you're like, you know, you're, you're stopping people like running, zooming past you and being like, well, look at these, it's like DeFi tokens. And now look at these and it's like ICOs and, and now people are doing NFTs. And it's like, you get bombarded with like a massive light speed or, or it's like drinking out of a fire hose, right? And so if a project just wants to stay in whatever is the hot narrative right now, well, they will pivot to that particular token when that's hot. And then they will pivot to NFTs when that's hot. And then they will pivot to the other thing when that's hot. And, and that, to your point, that may get you a little bit of narrative surfing. And you might, you know, you might get more signups during those times. But those are not sticky. Those are not, you know, you're, you're just playing to the whim of the market at that particular moment. And I think with Bitcoin, you know, we know, you know, the trajectory of it. We know that institutions are coming in. We, it's, it's, it, it feels way more real, I guess, is, is what I'm trying to say. It, it feels no, like it totally. has legs under it. No, and I, again, that's why Bitcoin Magazine is Bitcoin only for that reason as well Is you know, Bitcoin will be the most important technology in the world. It is going to be half of every transaction, the money for the world. And if we can be the leading voice in that, you know, it doesn't matter if we lost Ethereum or we lost everything else along the way, like eye on the prize. Um, speaking of going Bitcoin, you know, focusing on Bitcoin and adding additional kind of services, um, you know, I really like that one, you know, Bitcoiners are not the biggest fan of, you know, giving up custody, but obviously to do a loan, there has to be some form of, you know, collateralizing your Bitcoin in some way. But you guys answer that by, you know, being the first lender to truly have a proof of reserve attestation and audit done. Can you kind of just talk about that as well as like, you know, how you're doing everything that you can to, you know, make let in a trusted kind of fiduciary for, uh, you know, a client's Bitcoin? Yeah, very happy to talk about that. In fact, actually, my first piece around proof of reserve was published with Bitcoin Magazine. Uh, and I think it was back in, in 2018. And I wrote a piece saying uh, why, proof of, why proof of reserves is important to Bitcoin. Um, and I think, you know, uh, to, to, to the point that you were making earlier about, you know, the whole industry is going through this, you know, this almost like a Cambrian explosion of ideas and capital is just getting poured in. And so, when the tide is rising, you know, all boats look great, right? And so um, I think, you know, man, I, I, I forget where I was going with this, but I, I think, you know, when the, you know, it's easy to, oh, sorry, it was on, the, on the topic of proof of reserve. So when the tide is rising and when all businesses are doing great, it, it becomes easy to sweep mistakes under the rug. Um, right. And, and you saw that and, and we're, we're going through this explosion of capital and, and innovation. Well, at the same time, there is little by way of regulatory frameworks and regulatory clarity. Right. And so you're getting companies that are getting really, really big and people have done very little diligence on those teams and what what the companies actually do and what's behind them. And so, you know, you're, you're getting there's a couple of things happening. There are companies that are doing things really, really well and working really, really hard to protect the consumers, to make sure that they're, that they're on side with the regulators to like ensure that they're doing things properly, right? There are other companies that are dressing up like the people that are doing things right. And they're looking, trying to look like they're doing all the things right, but they're just a black box at the bottom. And a lot of them, frankly, some of them are just scams. And so if we wanted to, 
in a world where nobody was talking about transparency, you know, we were talking, you know, this was like, you know, a year ago now, or a little bit over a year ago now, very few people were talking about transparency and proof of reserves. And we, and mind you, savings accounts and Bitcoin back loans weren't that huge back then. But we saw that we, we needed to give people the tools to ask the right questions, right? Like we needed to set a precedent as to what is a, what is a, a sort of what is the standard to provide these services we think at the very minimum that and again you know it's 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 this is something that is a very difficult undertaking it's not something that it's not a trivial exercise but we have the way our attestation of proof of reserve attestation works is that we work with Armenino LLP they're a certified public accountant in the United States and what they do is they essentially um, assisted by management team, we provide them with an anonymized set of all of our client assets at a point in time. And we provide them with essentially access to our balances and our custody providers and our trading partners and our lending agreements. And the point of this exercise is to basically add up all of our assets, add up all of our liabilities and determine that we have enough assets to cover our liabilities. And the way we um, you know, throw a don't trust verify element to this is that there's a way that Lenin could, in theory, you know, try to game this system, which is by giving the accountant uh, lower client balances than we actually have, right? Because that would make the numbers look great. The way we get around that is we give every single client an anonymized link so that they can go to Armanino and check their actual balance in that report ask at the time of that attestation and check that that number matches what you had in your account to the Satoshi and to the cent. Uh, and that's something that we're incredibly proud of. And you know, we feel that if these types of processes were instituted in their industry, we would prevent Quadriga, we would prevent uh, CRED, we would prevent um, you know, a lot of these problems that were created by people saying they were doing something, but they, you know, if you looked at the books, you realized they weren't. And so we wanted to create a precedent of having a, a public accountant come and tell the world that our, you know, that we're properly accounting for assets uh, and liabilities and, and give them that comfort. Yeah, again, I know that proof of reserves is something that lots of Bitcoiners are pushing custodians to, to do. And uh, I think the way that you did it, it sounds like pretty novel. Uh, lastly, I want to talk about a fun product that you guys have built is the B2X product. Um, sorry, someone's calling me, but uh, got to tell them to go away. Um, so this B2X product is, uh, is really cool, um, pretty much allows Bitcoiners to deposit Bitcoin leverage it up and, and get exposure to 2x the Bitcoin. Um, I feel like, again, uh, this proof of reserves uh, really going is, are examples of you going deep on Bitcoin and, and kind of focusing on the, the things that Bitcoiners care about the most. Do you want to talk about B2x? What was the impetus of that? You know, how did you come up with that solution? Yeah, so that was actually a collective, uh, collective sort of uh, idea, ideation at Ledin. Uh, and the way that product got created was people really liked our loans when we first launched them. And we saw that, you know, people were coming to let in with say one Bitcoin and they were getting a, a loan for an equivalent of half a Bitcoin in, in dollars. They would take those dollars, they would buy a half a Bitcoin, they would come to let in, apply for a loan to get a quarter of Bitcoin uh, or equivalent. They would take that money, buy the quarter of Bitcoin. So they just kept doing this over and over and over until they reached the minimum loan amount so that they could basically use their Bitcoin to borrow as much as they could to buy as much more Bitcoin as they could. And so when we saw enough clients do this, we said, okay, clearly there's a big desire for people to use the Bitcoin they already own to buy more Bitcoin. And our product, our, our Bitcoin backed loan product is a two to one collateralized product. So if, for somebody that wants to borrow a thousand dollars, you have to place $2,000 worth of Bitcoin. So what we did is we said, okay, well, what if we basically flip B2X on its head? So like, if, if you showed up to let in with one Bitcoin, you could borrow half a Bitcoin and take that off platform and leave that Bitcoin on, on our platform as, as collateral for your loan. If you showed up to let in with one Bitcoin, we could basically lend you 
enough money to buy the second Bitcoin and we keep those two Bitcoin on platform while the loan is open. And so effectively you're using your first Bitcoin to borrow cash and buy the second Bitcoin. Both of those Bitcoins will go into collateral. You don't get to take the cash off platform because you used it to buy the second coin. But what it, what it gives you is a year long term at an excellent interest rate so that you can be, you know, you can own more Bitcoin than you originally did. And, um, and so that became, uh, it still is today, our most popular product worldwide, even though the product is unfortunately not available in the US, uh, it is our most popular loan product, you know, by a long shot. And, uh, and, and you know, people all over really like it. We're working really hard to, to you know, uh, with our legal team and our compliance team to make that product available in the States as, as you know, hopefully whenever we can, but uh, there's some, you know, regulatory restrictions there that don't allow us to, to offer that product today. But we are, uh, you know, very, you know, people love it. So we, we, we're, we're always thinking about how we can make it more available to more people and enhance it and improve on it. Awesome. Well, Marito, I mean, again, I think this whole show is just like examples of, um, you know, how the company actually um, listens to your users, goes deep on Bitcoin, is kind of focused, you know, whether it's from like great rates, proof of reserves, interesting products like B2X, adding in stable coins for international focus, international uh, languages outside of just English. Like, uh, like I said, I, I feel like the, uh, the successful round and you becoming a bigger player in the game is, is just kind of proof of work almost. <laughs> wouldn't have it any other way, man. All right, Maurizio. Well, thanks so much for coming on to the show. I want to give you, uh, you know, just a moment to give a last word to uh, the Bitcoin Magazine audience and uh, maybe plug where they can learn more about you. Yeah, definitely. If you, you know, if you guys want to check us out, we are at ledin.io, L-E-D-N.io. Um, our social media is at HODL with Ledin, H-O-D-L with Ledin. And my personal Twitter handle is at Cryptonomist with an A at the end. That's... Uh, the cryptonomista uh, in Spanish I set it up a long time ago, so don't judge. And um, and yeah, I mean, you know, we we love feedback. If you're a Latin client and you're hearing this and you, you think there's something that we can be doing better, uh, I'd love to hear it. And uh, if you're not a Latin client yet, then what are you waiting for? <laughs> awesome. Well, again, hey, Maurizio, thanks for coming on the show. To the Bitcoiners out there, check out Ledin, especially if you're international. I think that they offer some of the best products out there. And I'm personally very excited uh, to check them out myself. Uh, you can follow me at CK underscore Snarks. You can follow the magazine at Bitcoin Magazine. We appreciate those five-star reviews as well. Peace. A quick reminder that all of the content in this episode is for informational and entertainment purposes only. You should not construe the information as legal, tax, investment, financial, or any other advice. Nothing contained in this presentation constitutes a solicitation, recommendation, or offer by BTC Media, the Let's Talk Bitcoin Podcast Network, or any third-party service provider to buy or sell securities or any other financial instruments. Do your own research. Thank you.